Just to give you a quick review of all the materials we've talked about in this series. By the way, wasn't worship amazing tonight? Watching people just shake off chains without being told to is so good. We've been talking about we need fellowship from the Greek word koinonia, communion by participation. Anyone that tells you you don't need to be part of a house to be a Christian doesn't understand the building materials that God laid out. Week two, we talked about prayer, developing a prayer life and intercession. Week three, we talked about submitting to the presence of God and to each other and to a covering. Week four, we talked about discipline, creating disciplines in our lives to help us walk as kingdom representatives. Week five, we talked about oneness, that we are to be one with each other and one with Christ by way of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked, or two weeks ago, we talked about sacrifice, our ways, our culture, our time, our giving, living a life of sacrifice so God would get glory. It wasn't in the series, but last week, Marty delivered an incredible message about weapons of warfare. Didn't she do a great job? I didn't say give her praise. Just kidding. And today, we're talking about the gospel. The gospel. The term gospel has really become almost a nickname in the church, kind of an all-encompassing when we talk about people getting saved in the name of Jesus, we talk about the gospel. Let's share the gospel. Even two weeks ago, I I kind of said it prematurely. I was talking about how we need to start opening up um, a time to receive um, people that might be needing to get saved for salvation. I said, we're going to start sharing the gospel. And when I left that night, I was quickly reminded by the Holy Spirit and some people close to me in this house that the gospel is not just about salvation. And and I've preached that for years, but I found myself two weeks ago referring to simply salvation as the gospel. And it, I feel like that was God kind of bringing attention to, you need to tell people what the gospel is really about. Um, I've almost gotten sick of using the word gospel because usually when you refer to gospel, no one really knows what it is or what it all is encompassing. And I feel like if we bring attention to what the gospel is, we don't have to shy away from using the word, the gospel. Is that okay? Okay. No one really knows how to define it, and we use it way too loosely. The word for gospel is euangelion. That is E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. I know none of you are going to write that down. Just listen to it, and hopefully you can get it. But it's euangelion. U, E-U, is a prefix referring to something good or pleasant. Angelos or angelion is a word meaning message. As it's, that's where we get the word angel. Messengers, right? Angels, messengers, angelos, the one who delivers a message. So we get this term, euangelion, simply meaning this, the good message or the good news. And probably most people, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard the gospel referred to as the good news. But I believe we have kind of dumbed down or, or made uh, light of what the good news is all about. In the most basic meaning of it, anyone bringing good news is bringing gospel. A doctor examining a sick person and bringing back a good report is gospel. It's simply a good news or a good message. In ancient times, when soldiers went out to battle, people would wait for the report of the outcome, the report from the battlefield. And when the outcome was known, 
these marathon runners, if you will, will be sent and come back to bring a report, hopefully a good report. So the people, after a battle, were waiting on what? The, the good news or the gospel. And as they waited on the report, there will be watchmen looking out for these runners. So I want you to get this picture back in the day that there was a battle, the battle was over, and they would send a runner to bring the news, whether it was the good news or bad news. And then up on the towers, there would be these watchmen looking for the runners to come. And what's interesting is that these watchmen were actually trained where they could tell by the runner's legs whether or not the good news or whether or not the news was good or bad. Because by the way they ran, they could tell if they were running to survive or running in victory. Isaiah 52, 7-8 says it like this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Let me pause right here and point this out, that he is talking about peace and salvation and reigning before he ever saw Jesus. This is years and years and years before Jesus came on the scene. Verse 8, the watchmen shout and sing with joy. This is Isaiah prophesying. Before their very eyes, they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Feet of the messenger speak of a certain kind of activity, a certain kind of motion, a certain kind of progress. You can tell by the way of someone's activity what kind of news that they're bringing, what kind of gospel they're all about. Just because they say God or Jesus does not mean they reveal his name correctly. And perhaps that's why when people see Jesus in some, the first thought is not good. You can tell by the way of your activity what kind of message you're bringing. They watched how the runners ran. Are they running in victory or running trying to escape something? The watchmen were those who would see the Lord returning but it isn't only one form of returning. When we think of returning, we always think of this idea of Jesus coming back one day where the, the, the earth is going to be destroyed and he's going to restore it and all those things. How many of you know that's true? How many of you know Jesus is returning? But in scriptures, when the disciples spoke of a good news of his returning, they were not always and only talking about the final return. In fact, the word return, if you go back to the original language, it simply means to appear among. When the disciples mentioned his return, they saw him appear among them after he was put in the grave. So prophets or watchmen were waiting and watching for when the presence of God was appearing among a people. And they prophesy or bring a message of good news that Jesus is here among us. Gospel has been limited to this idea that we need to get saved. But gospel is also Jesus is in the room tonight. Gospel is also there's good news that there's healing in the room tonight. Gospel is good news that I hear chains falling. We weren't just singing it, we were prophesying it. 
We were saying people came in here with chains and we hear them falling to the ground right here and right now and you do not have to leave the same. That is good news. And by the way you walk out of here, people can re- will see that as good news in you or someone running from an issue. When we live a life of sacrifice and an identity of victory in Jesus, people will no longer expect bad when they see you walk into a room. They will no longer expect anything other than they're bringing good news. It's good news that you showed up. That is the life I believe that we are called to live as believers. There's a song I love to sing, and we sing it sometimes and often. When you walk into the room, everything changes. We should be walking into a room, everything changing, because when they see us, they see the feet of the runners with good news. That's gospel. It is a life of a good report to the name and glory of God. The question is, where are the good runners revealing his name? Because the gospel is not you'll burn in hell because you're bad. I don't remember Jesus ever saying you better believe in me because you're going to burn in hell. Only time he ever mentioned hell was he said hell will not prevail. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Only time he mentioned it. But the church has adopted over the years this trying to fear monger people with fire and brimstone. And that is not good news. We focus more of what we're saved from than what we're saved for. The good news is that you're saved, you're righteous, you're worthy, and no matter how you grew up, no matter what you've done, he says, I love you, I'll make you worthy, I will redeem the time, let's move forward. That's good news. You know what the good news is? You grew up abused, you grew up told that you weren't good enough, you grew up with no self-worth, and in a moment, worth is restored. That's good news. Gospel is, have you heard the Lord has saved us, bringing peace to us, and he is among us. Not Jesus was something in past tense, but he is present tense. In the New Testament, gospel is used in different ways. And one of the most common ways that we hear gospel is four books. The gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John. Literature. Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is literally just simply journals of what they experienced, and they were writing to bring you good news of what they saw. The, the, the good news, according to Matthew, is look at what I experienced. And I put forth to you tonight that people are waiting to read your gospel. I'm not saying we're going to rewrite the Bible and add the gospel of Kyle and the gospel of Pee Wee and the gospel of Jessica. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that the Lord says, I've got good news and I want people to see that good news in you. These were journals of what they experienced. And in the ministry of Jesus, gospel was not even linked with him. It says when he, when he came about, he didn't say, hey, y'all, I've come to talk about myself. He said, I've come to bring you a a good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't preach a gospel of Jesus. When Jesus came, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
And this is where it gets offensive because when we say Jesus didn't come to preach about the gospel of Jesus, it's almost like we're taking away from what he did. No, we're not. We're defining why he came and what he did. He came to, to set the captives free, not so you can revel in what you saved from, but you can be presented as worthy to be a conduit of heaven to earth. The good news that you are made worthy to bring a government of heaven right now instead of being a people that are simply waiting to get into heaven. Can I say something to you? How many of you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, let me tell you, you've already died. You've already been reborn. Heaven's going to be there. Let's move on. You are promised for heaven. Get your eyes on, I don't want to wait for my flesh to die to experience it. That is why the prayer in the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to find because it's not really the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 is not the Lord's Prayer. So it's the, it's the, the, it is the disciples' prayer. I'm talking too fast. The disciples' prayer in Matthew 6 says, Thy kingdom come, they will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Not we hope that we get to see heaven one day. There is good news that we get to walk in heavenly realities in this atmosphere. That's good news. That is gospel. The gospel is not Jesus has saved you, suck it up until you die. That's not gospel. That's not good news. Is that okay? The gospel is not Jesus is going to come back one day, lead a miserable life until... No, that's not good news. You know what good news is? I'm set free. I am free in the name of Jesus. He is healing me. He, he, is, he has set me free. He has taken me into divine purpose that the enemy tried to steal from me. That's good news. You know, you know what good news is? Good news is that we're no longer separated by color of skin. We're no longer separated by where we were born. We are all grafted into one kingdom. There is no Greek. There is no Jew. There is, there is no Gentile. We are one. We are a different people. We are Israel. We are the church. We are the very people of God. That's good news. We're no longer separated. You know what good news is? When you start to look like him, the world will call you strange, peculiar, and foreigns and aliens. So the weirder you get, the better you get. And there's a lot of weird people in the room. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't be texting me saying I'm weird. He brought the kingdom. This is what it says. Oh, it's a good night, y'all. It is a good night. This, this, is what, this is what the Lord says in Matthew 3, 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. That's weird. He didn't go to the temple to get the stage and the microphone. He went to the woods. He wasn't exactly a fashionista. Is that a word? I just made it up. He probably stunk. He was weird. And he went to the woods and started preaching. And you know what kind of people followed him? Weird people. <laughs> it said, his message was this, verse 2. Repent of your sins, turn to God, because 
The kingdom of heaven is near. Not repent of your sins and turn to God because you're going to spend eternity in hell. He says, look at this promise. Repent, turn, the kingdom is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The good news is not just that a Savior is coming and is here. It was the Savior is coming and bringing his kingdom. We get to operate in kingdom government, kingdom realities. It is good news. That the Messiah has come to make us worthy to represent heaven. And the way we represent heaven is operating in a kingdom, not of this world, in the world. What religion does is try so hard to take us out of the world. He says, my kingdom, you'll be in the world, and it has to submit to a different government by way of the walk of your good news. I was talking to someone this week about this, and I'm not making a statement about theological beliefs right now. Do y'all hear that? But, I, but we were talking about when Jesus returns and how it might happen, and no, for, no one knows. No one knows when. No one knows how. But I was saying, you know what? If Jesus takes us and leaves people behind, my prayer is that God will leave me behind so I can lead a people. And the fact of the matter is, he's already left us behind. Jesus left and said, go. With what? Gospel. Good news. Not fearing news, not bad news. Good news. He makes us worthy to do the same. The good news of the gospel is Jesus bringing his kingdom, breaking through time and space, a heavenly realm, breaking through earth's atmosphere with the one to carry it, Jesus. And the great thing about who Jesus is, is he makes you worthy to do the same thing as what he came to do. That's actually the Lord's prayer in John 17. John 17 is the prayer of Jesus. That's the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6 is the model prayer he gave for disciples. John 17 is the one he actually prayed. And this is what he prays starting in verse 13 in John 17. I am coming to you. That's good news. I told, it's, it's funny because he's talking to his father. Okay. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they could be filled with my joy. You know what the good news is? You get to be joyful and not depressed. Any idea that you have to walk with anxiety or depression is a lie. Because he has a way to lift it off of you. Now, we still go through it. But he says, I, I want to replace it. That's good news. Look at this. I have given them your word, and the world hates them. He gave us the word. The world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. It's natural for Christians to be hated by the world when we start looking different from the world. And you know what Christ calls it? Good news. That's gospel. When, when, when someone is going to ask you next week, what is the gospel? Well, the, the, the gospel, the good news is that I don't look like the world because I get to look like God. See, that's scary for some of us. 
Because we don't like the idea of looking like God. But that's why God saved us, to restore us to a God-like status in the idea of pure and perfect and righteous, one with him. I am in you and you are in me. That's what the scripture says. It's not equal to God. It's same nature. <laughs> I have it later in the message, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. The youth are learning about the fruit of the Spirit right now. You know what the good news about that is? The fruit of the Spirit? The good news is that you have the same character as God has. If you lean into Him. That's good news. That's really good news for some of us because our character hasn't always been there. But he says the more you walk in the, the good news is that you will actually start to walk in the character traits of God himself. And people will look at you and say, what's different about you? And you say, well, I got good news. You can look like this too. That's good news. That's gospel. Is this okay tonight? Yes. It, it, it says they don't belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Verse 15. I am <laughs> not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world. not asking you to take them out of the world, Father. Keep them safe from the evil one. What, Jesus, what is Jesus' prayer? Keep them here as long as you possibly can and keep them safe. And you know what he called it? Good news. Why? Because he wants to be multiplied in the people that will take the good news to all the captives, to set the captives free for a harvest that is plentiful, looking for the workers. That's good news. He says, Father, keep them here as long as we can. Look at this. In verse 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. I, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Not sending them into four walls of a temple to keep them safe from the world. Keep them safe as they get in the middle of it. What church has done is we've tried to separate so much from the world because it's evil and it's dark and it's horrible. And Jesus is like, hey, keep them safe, put them right in it and keep them there. That was his prayer. Why is that good news? Because I am light going into darkness to light it up. I mentioned this at Seek First, but I was listening to someone this week, and they were reading a scientific magazine from Japan in 2009, and they were doing a study, and they found that the space between atom to atom, molecule, molecule to molecule in the human body is composed 99.999999% of light. And the study showed when they were really, really joyful, they were much more brighter. He said, I am the light of the world, and I'm calling you to be the light of the world. We are literally light beings in a world of darkness. And for some reason, the church has said, let's get all the light together. And Jesus says, my prayer, keep them right there in the darkness, so darkness doesn't stand a chance. You know what the good news is? Darkness just lost because light is at Gulfstream, because light is at Parker's, because light is at Walmart, believe it or not. Because light, <laughs> are y'all getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. <laughs> I'm getting royalties from Walmart in this message. Where am I at? Verse 
Verse 19, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So this prayer was not just a 12. This is for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. You are in me, Father, I am in you, and they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Listen to this. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. He says, I've given, he says, read it again. I have given them the same thing, Father, that you put on me. Same thing. So in other words, the further we walk in the identity in Jesus, he says you go from glory to glory. And glory is not, is not the idea of going up and getting more. Glory is we are more revealed as him, more revealed as him, more revealed as him. You know where Paul's greatest glory was? Riding in jail. Glory, the weight of a thing. The worth of a thing. We move from worth to worth to worth when we let go of who we were and embrace who we are as light in darkness. And Jesus says, I'm put on them the same thing that I have. That's why we are in him and he is in us and we are one. Because we are as good as God is by his sacrifice on the cross. See, people take offense to that. Are we as good as God? Yes. Why do you think he died for us? To let us be as good as he is. That is why he looked at the thief and said, hey, you're going to join me today. Because we're good. I'm sick and tired of this false gospel of telling people that we're not worthy and we're not good and we're not great and we're, we're, we're horrible people and we need to embrace, you know, God, you know, they use the scripture godly sorrow. You know what godly sorrow is? It's a tent to the message. Feel bad, move forward, repent. Godly sorrow is not, I'm horrible. Yes, I'm making an Eeyore reference. Godly sorrow is, I don't want to stay here, but I want to move forward because I am not wanting to stay in this place. That's godly sorrow. And we count it, when when we walk in the world, we are not trying to say we are about our glory we, try, we are trying to walk in such a way where we are lifting up his name in all things, understanding that we are no greater than one another. And get this, neither were the 12 apostles greater than us. I'm actually going to show you that later in Scripture. For some reason, the church has lifted up the 12 apostles and the 12 saints of the church. We've idolized 12 men who are no better or less than good as we are. Where am I at? Want to know what good news is? We've been given the glory that Father gave Jesus. You, don't want to know, you want to know what good news is? We've been given the very word of God. Good news. The world hates us because we've been identified. Good news. We're made holy and worthy to teach truth, not just read the truth. This is all in the scripture I just read. You want to know what good news is? We've been sitting to the world, and Jesus does not want us taken until we walk in spotless bride identity. This is the good news. So the gospel is not just sharing your salvation story. That's not gospel. Salvation opens the door for you to partake of it. That's why Jesus says, I am the door. Gospel is about who Jesus is, 
what he did and why he did it. And the church has stopped at what he did and who he is. But we left out the why. So that we would walk as his bride in the earth. When you hear gospel, we think the salvation message, but there's actually so much more good news than just being made right. The good news is you're made right for something. Are y'all getting this? We need to adjust our thinking to understand what we are saved for and not just what we're saved from. I wrote this down. This is a full explanation of the gospel. It's what Jesus did. It is a life of obedience seen in Jesus. It is the sacrifice on death on the cross to pay the debt of sin as a worthy sacrifice. It's his resurrection, which testifies to the power of God breaking the chains of death, hell, and the grave. It's his ascension to heaven. It is the promise of his return, and it is the outpouring of his Holy Spirit on the church. That's all good news, not just that he died and rose again. Habakkuk prophesied this, Habakkuk 2.14, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What I fear is that the earth is not being filled with an awareness of the glory All we're being filled with is an awareness of how awful we are. Yet in the prayer, Jesus says we share the glory. Gospel's not that we're bad and Jesus is good, accept him so you won't burn. Gospel is he came, he paid, he made us like him, let's go. That's good news. Hmm. That word glory, I referenced it earlier. It's from the Hebrew, kabod, kabod, whatever you want to say. I don't know the, what's the proper, Susan? Yep, kabod. Not commode, kabod. Kabod. It is the word we use for the true weight or true nature of something. So when we talk about the glory of the Lord, we're talking about the invisible God being made visible. So going from glory to glory, we actually see more of who he is. That is why, I don't know if you noticed, but we changed some things up tonight. At 5.15, we set an atmosphere of prayer, and people were praying in here for 45 minutes before we ever started. Because I think we need to get out of the day of when does church start at 6 o'clock. You know when church starts? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. we we got to get out of this idea of we're starting to worship and just we're coming together in agreement that we already are worshiping. I believe it's significant what's going on, especially tonight, that we said, you know, I'll, I'm, can I share a little bit? The, the worship team, we didn't have an order of songs, and we didn't know who was singing what. For the first time ever in nine years, we took all leaders out and said, all y'all leaders, and we put about ten songs in the thing, and we said, we don't know what we're going to sing. Go with it. That's why when we started, there was silence about five minutes because no one knew what to do. And you know what? Sometimes that's good because we just need to say, you know what? We don't need to sing. And it's tough and it's hard, but if we're going to say that we're going to move with the Holy Spirit, we've got to start trying to move with the Holy Spirit. Right? You want to get real in the PDF, break every chain with song three, but we didn't do it to like song, like 45 minutes after three or four songs, and then it started going and going and going. Not planned, not rehearsed. You want to get real? We rehearsed Jessica singing it, but Jacob started leading it. And you know what? We're all okay with it. And it was different chords than what we had on the sheet. 
That's why I was going around going, hey, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not doing that to, 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 to bring like, oh, the worship team is so good. What I'm saying is that as a people, when we're starting to depend on God, that's when we actually see more of him in the room. Instead of planning and producing this thing called church, which really is simply a concert to put money in people's pockets. I'm tired of performance days. Where am I at? We should be walking in such glory that when we walk into a room, no one worries about our moods or how we're going to respond or how we're going to talk. When we walk into the room, watchmen should get excited about your presence because you bring greater dimensions of glory. That is gospel. That's good news. Let's read what, what Paul says about the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news. What is that? Gospel. That I preached to you before. That I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. It is good news if you continue to believe it. Good news does not save you. Receiving it, believing it, and walking it does. The church at Corinth had all kinds of problems. Carnality, flesh, nature, human, they were totally of the world. They were lacking understanding. There were divisions in the church. They, they had weird spiritual practices, but they still stood and they tried to walk in the good news. And they leaned into teaching and they leaned into correction very much unlike the Galatian church. Paul told the church at Galatia in chapter 1, you're turning away from God, you're following a different way. He said it looks like good news, but it's not the good news. He says you're being fooled, and anyone who preached anything other than good news, Paul said, let you be cursed. And any gospel message that says all you have to do is say the name of Jesus is false good news. Can I tell you why? Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually what? Do. The will of my Father in heaven will enter. You know what, I, what, what the issue I think a lot of times in the church? The church at large has become much like the church at Galatia where we say, oh, just, just come up here and say a salvation prayer and you're saved. And then they go out and they live as if they never met Jesus and we still tell them the lie that they're saved. And they're living good news, but it's not good news. Well, that, that sounds like religion. No, it's more like, sounds like truth. It's if you do these things. That, and that's tough for some of us to swallow. Because some of us even right now are like, well, I don't, there's been times where I haven't done the good news. But are, are, you, are you trying? Because you're already perfected. You're, you're already Righteous. But there's a difference in people who are trying to walk toward who he is versus people who proclaim the name of Jesus and they prostitute grace to live a life that is totally opposite of God. He, he, he gave us glory to point to him. That's why we're saved. So that the glory of God will fill the earth. Not just to make sure you don't burn. 
continuing on verse 3, Paul says this. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. You know what he's saying? He's saying it was prophesied and it happened. You've heard this. You've read this. It happened. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time. Let me say that again. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I saw him. That's an interesting statement. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Can anyone identify with that statement? (laughs) But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. That's humility, Paul. (laughs) Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. We all preach the same message you've already believed. Did you notice he didn't stop at Jesus rose on the third day? He spoke of Jesus dying, reappearing, or or dying, resurrecting, and then appearing and reappearing. He said Peter saw him, the 500 saw him, all these people saw him, James saw him, and then I I saw him. And just to point out the timeline, it is mostly believed and most would agree that when Paul had his experience on the road to Damascus and saw Jesus, it was six to eight years after Jesus left the earth. Which means he is still appearing. Seated on the throne is more of a dimension than a lockdown state for Jesus. You think Jesus is chained to the right hand of God? He is seated as in it's done. That that pushes on some people, I think. Paul said, I saw him. But Jesus had already ascended. Jesus is wanting to appear to many, so many will come to know him. And we are still locked up in a return for the world to end when we have missed that he is here with us now. The good news is that he has come, he is here, and he will return. But don't miss that he's here and seen by many. There is good news that we get to look like the Holy Spirit by the fruit of the Spirit. There is good news that we have and are seeing miracles. You get to be what, good news is you get to be what God demonstrates his power through. It's good news. I want to read verse 8 again because it's so interesting where he said, Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul didn't have three years of walking with Jesus like the 12 apostles. By the way, any teaching that rejects that, there's more, that, was, that there is no more apostles in the original 12, that's called ignorance. Eight years later, Paul was named an apostle. Many consider Paul to be a little apostle or a less than apostle because many theologians depreciate who he is because he wasn't there with the original 12. He wasn't there with Jesus. And Paul is writing this letter and saying, 
I am glorying in this weakness. Because he understood something that the church still does not get. He said, the 12 being with him in flesh and me being with him in spirit is same. And see, some of us in the church, we still get this idea, I wish I could have walked with him. Do you not realize that you are walking with him just as much as they did? But you're still caught up in flesh different than spirit. You are just as much as Jesus as the 12. Let me say it like this. There were thousands of people who were with Jesus in the flesh that lived just like most of us do today with him now in the spirit, unaware. Paul got it. I don't care if I'd walk with him or not. I saw him, I'm with him. I'm walking with him right now. The 12 is no greater than Paul. Paul is no greater than the 12. And the 13 of them were no greater or less than us. The word for, now I want you to hear this. This is kind of shocking. He says, as if I had been born at the wrong time. The word for been born at the wrong time was ectoma, meaning abortion, stillbirth, or miscarriage. Or most appropriately, an untimely birth. He, he, he said, last of all, as if I was aborted or miscarried or didn't make it or I was out of time, I saw him. He said, even though I was reborn at a time when Jesus was not on the earth, I had the same experience. It was like my, re my rebirth was as if he was here, as if I was born at the wrong time. He's saying, I experienced the same presence as if I had actually been in flesh presence. Because he had the same Jesus experience, just like the ones who were reborn when they were with him. Meaning simply this, there is no such, there is no, well, I don't know, I can't talk tonight. There is no such thing as wrong time rebirthing. I wish I was with Jesus. Do you realize if this is where God put you, it shows you how valuable you are? It's like the enemy does not want me to get this out. He says, I could have used you when I was here with the 12. But I'm going to put you in a time that is far worse than what they were going through. Do you realize how much value that puts on you? And we're waiting for him to come back. He says, I put you here to spread the light of my glory everywhere you go. And this is not wrong time rebirthing. Why do we celebrate being saved from hell more than the making of our worth? This, and this is what I do not mean. That some are meant to be saved after years of not being saved. That's not what I'm saying. I believe that the, the, the original concept of what God wanted was when we were born into the world, we were with him. That is originally what he wanted. So it's not like God has a plan for some to be saved at 12 and some to be saved at 25 and some to be saved at 50. He says, my plan was you're saved the moment you're born, but you're born into a curse and your life is about getting out of that curse. But here's the beauty of God. He says, even though you are being reborn at the wrong time, there is no such thing as wrong time because whether you're 25, 45, or 65, the moment you're reborn, I'm redeeming the time. As if you had lost no time. 
That's why he said a thousand years is unto a day to the Lord. Because, well, I got saved at 45 and all these years are wasted. What God do you serve? Because my God can take 45 years of waste and make it work in one day. That's my God. And that, you know what that is? That is good news. I'm getting stink face looks over here. That's good news. There is no waste of time. So-and-so is wasting their time. But the moment they, re- they are reborn, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. I feel like someone needs to hear that. that you, there, if you are redeemed and saved under the blood of Jesus, there is no such thing as wasted time. You're in the right place at the right time, and you are redeemed, and God says, let's go. That's the gospel. That's good news. The good news, we are made worthy of a commission. And that's what I want to close with tonight, talking about this great commission. You know, in Matthew 28, it says in verse 18, look at this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he says, because I've got it, I am giving you a commissioning. I am putting on you what was put on me. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, you are just as worthy as Peter, John, and Paul. You go make disciples like they did. You baptize them. You go teach them to obey the commands of the Lord. You know what gospel is? You bring the good news of, I can teach you who God is. You hear that? Not, oh, you want to know who God is? Come to Relentless on Saturdays at 6. No, 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 no. The good news is you're worthy to tell them the same thing that I would tell them here. the, The gospel is not a scheme to build an organization. That's, that's not what the gospel is. The, the gospel is you come here to get whatever tools you, you need so when they need to hear the good news, they hear it there, not drag them here so they can get it. That, that, I think that's such an issue in the church. You want to get baptized? Well, schedule it with the pastor. You take him down to Tybee. You, you, you know, you don't have to, you, do you have to be ordained to baptize someone? Yes. When were you ordained? The commissioning in Matthew 28. Want to know what commands he gave us? Because he says, go, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach the disciples all the commands of God. You want to know what one of the commands is? Look at Matthew 10, 7 through 8. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with skin disease or leprosy, as it says. Cast out demons, give as freely as you receive. You know what the gospel is? When you walk into the room and you see someone sick, you have the good news of, of, you don't have to be sick anymore. You know what the gospel is? You walk into a hospital room and you, and you say, get up, take up, take up your mat and walk. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can heal people through you? Can I I, I push on stupid church talk? There is no such thing as so-and-so walks in a gift of healing. We all walk in a gift of healing. So-and-so has a healing anointing. No, they're using healing as a way to profit themselves and make themselves celebrities. And you know what? That's called a false good news that the Lord says he will curse. 
called a hustle. I'm sorry, but I'm sick and tired of this religiosity of people using the gifts of God for the glory of men. you, You walk in just as much healing anointing as anyone else. The question is, are you submitted to that baptism or immersion into who he is. It's not, let me lay hands on you so you get baptized in the Spirit. Baptism in the Spirit is simply, Lord, here I am. I am going all in. That's baptism, being fully immersed in who he is. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when you walk into a room and someone needs the good news of you can be healed or you can be set free from depression or someone's got a fever and you believe you can break it by the laying on of hands, you say, I've got good news. The power of God's going to work through me. Let me put my hands on you. That's good news. That's gospel. Heal the sick. Right? You know what? You don't have to keep being oppressed. That's good news. Or someone saying, I'm depressed and I'm not worthy and my life is horrible. The answer is not, can I pray with you? The answer is, let me bring good news. You are not horrible. You are worthy. Your depression is up to you to walk out of. And you start encouraging them. You know what? The gift of prophecy, there's two different gifts of prophecy. There's a mantle of prophecy to prophesy the word of God. Then there's a gift of prophecy saying edify believers. So when someone says they're depressed, don't say I'll pray for you. Start prophesying over them. You're not depressed. You're good. You're worthy. You're amazing. You've got loved ones that are dealing with self-worth. Go home tonight and pray. So-and-so is going to see their worth. So-and-so is going to see that Jesus loves them. Start prophesying of a reality they're not yet experiencing. That is the gospel. And, and, And last but not least, there's even more command. In John 13, 34, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. He loves us with a sacrificial love. He loves us with a, I'll take the cost. I'll take the price. You know what kind of love Jesus has? You can hit me with whips all day and I still will not go back at you. You can rip the skin off my back and I still love you. You can trash me behind everyone's back, and I will still speak amazing of you. That's Jesus. No matter what was done to him, he said, Father, they know not what they do. And that's how we're to love people. Looking at everything through the eyes of who he is. If he resurrects from death to life, maybe our response to people is, how do we bring life to that death? That dead talk, that dead identity. When they say, I'm not worthy, and you get to say, I've got good news, you are worthy. Well, you don't know what my dad said to me. Your identity is not, worthy. Your identity is not in your dad. Your identity is in your heavenly daddy. You bring the good news of I love you, and you no longer have to live a life of no one loving you. That's the gospel. What Jesus did, it's a life of obedience, it's his sacrifice, death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, promise of his return, the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, and you walking is reborn. That's good news. You're reborn. The scripture says that there's a such thing as generational curses. But when you're reborn... That curse is broken. So, so it's no longer let me get delivered of the curse. 
It's let me embrace a true reality that I am already delivered. You can ask anyone in here that does deliverance ministry that, that, that I know of. Deliverance is not about us doing something. It's about opening their eyes to what's already been done. That's deliverance. It's finished. It's done. Every chain's broken. Well, I'm dealing with this because this is what happened in my family. Are you reborn? Yep. Not on them. You're free. You choose to believe a lie or believe the truth. This is the good news. He has come to set the captives free. You are free. Now walk us free in the name of Jesus. Amen.